au to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now we continue our series on the book Inspiring Stories of Hope by author Lynn Goldsmith. This is a book that's been presented to the Queen, the Governor-General, Princess Mary of Denmark and the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton, all women. Each week in our series we're talking with some of the women featured in Lynn's book. If ever there was a roller coaster of a life, it's Diane Cordaire. Diane's story is one of many, many varied stories of hope, yet optimism and a sense of bigger picture, as I often say, and yet they see it or arrive at it through the fires of grief, suffering, trauma and upheaval. Diane, welcome to Open House. Hello, how are you? I'm great. Thanks very much for coming in. Can I take you to one particular stage of your life and begin there? At the age of 28, describe to me where you are, what life was like then. At 28, I'd become a product of what my husband at the time had dictated that I should become. So I didn't have a mind of my own. He owned a detailing shop and um, I think I smashed eight of his cars in one month of being his secretary, so I got demoted to being a detailer. <laughs> Pretty soon I had to ditch my $300 dresses and high heels and put a buffing machine in my hand and learn how to clean cars. After a while I became very good at it, actually. I could make a lot of money at it. That's always been one of my talents is um, making a lot of money and uh, becoming good at what I do. I had two girls at this stage. I ended up marrying uh, the boss. I woke up and I said, I don't want to be a uh, detailer. I need to find who I really am. And the next day I picked up the paper and there was a job for a photographer. And I went, that's it. That's who I am. And he goes, you can't be that. So I went for the interview and picked up this camera, which was huge. It felt bigger than I was. And I, You'd uh, never picked up a camera before. Never picked up a camera no. in my entire life. Um, you know, so I picked up this camera and the, and the guy sort of looked at me and I give a little smirk and he goes, you don't know how to take a photo. And I said, teach me. I've got other skills. Yeah. He goes, okay, I will. For three months, he brought models in and sat there and I learned how to be a photographer. You seem like you're such an are such a can-do person. I probably should go back through your childhood to say this is off the back of a pretty challenging childhood. I came from a, a police sergeant um, who was a rogue, of course. I actually came from this upbringing which I couldn't quite work out as a kid because it looked um, like mum, dad and the two kids and everything was onky-dory. But, you know, I'd see these stolen goods come through the, the door each day, you know, and, and um, you know, thanks to the police force for keeping us. <laughs> it was odd. My head as a child was odd. And at 13, I was thrust out. Um, Why was that? Um, my mum and dad split up. At 14, I was raped, and then I was thrust onto this road of, um, I suppose, the wrong road. I'd never, ever walked into a church. I'd never been to um, a Sunday school. Um, no one had ever mentioned God or Jesus to me. So we'll pick back up yeah, with yeah. the photographer. Yeah, yeah. You end up so successful. He's yeah. out of business. Yeah, yeah. Well, only months later, I realized this guy was making a whacket of money. And I just went, gee, you know, I should be making this for myself. So I left him and tried to build my own studio. 
And the guy rings me up that trained me and he said, what are you doing? Because I made his studio really pump. So I said, oh, look, I have to be honest with you. I'm going to go into opposition with you. So he'd slept on it that night. The next day he rang me up and he said, listen, you know, I'm going to have to bow out. And I said, oh, well, what are you going to do with your studio and your agent? And he said, I'm just going to have to give it away. And I said, oh, well, give it to me. (laughs) Yeah, he did. And he came and worked for me and showed me the rest of the ropes. And I looked at him and I said, and that was the other talent that I'd had. (laughs) He loved me. He Uh, thought I was great. How long did that take you to take over? Uh, Six months from go to woe. The money just started rolling in. My husband at the time, he was a roofer. And um, he went, hang on, I'm in the wrong business. I'll just go and join her. And it wasn't long before he saw that there was like, the whole place was full of pretty girls. And back then... The mothers even thought that they had to throw their daughters at my husband to um, see if their career could get better and better. So he took the opportunity. It was um, easy for him to fall, and he did. And so for six years, I um, I built this beautiful big business. So I put my efforts into um, living in a big house and, and putting some really nice clothes on my back. And I had cleaners and housekeepers and cooks and, and a huge lifestyle. And then you lost it. One day it just fell. I swapped my Pulsar Q for a four-wheel drive, put my girls in the back. I hadn't actually raised my girls yet, and they were nine and eight. And I took my nanny along just in case I didn't know what to do. So the nanny hops in the car, the four-wheel drive. My girls hop in and I hop in and I went desert. I went out through all the deserts. And right at um, when I got to Ayers Rock, I hopped out of the four-wheel drive and turned around and I'm looking at a dingo. Because at this stage I'm wondering, well, what do you do after you finish photographing models and having that sort of lifestyle? What do you do? I didn't go looking for a god yet. I haven't, you know, quite got there yet. I'm still looking for, well, what's it all about, Alfie? You know, like I had the house, I had the husband, I had the business. Now, what's it all about? So I turned around and took a photo of this dingo and it triple exposed, not by my hand. I wasn't that clever as a photographer. I just knew how to make money. So the uninitiated, (laughs) explain triple exposure. Well, when the camera goes off three times, bang, 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 right over the top of the same frame. And this dingo ended up as a ghost dingo sitting on the top of Ayers Rock in this frame. It was amazing. I went... Dingo, wow, that was really neat. I came back through the deserts. The the babysitter ditched me somewhere along the line. And I came back, I set up house, and I looked at this photo and I went, maybe I'll become an animal photographer. So I built this mobile studio and took it to the dog fields. And, you know, I had I had these little portfolios for all the dogs that get shown. One day this um, guy dropped, this is a, a, a doozy, and this is what brought me to, to Christ. Yes. Um, one day this guy dropped his card at the studio, the mobile studio, and he said, listen, I'm an author of 14 books and I own a couple of magazines. I like your style. And he did a bit of a line for me, but without doing a line. And I went, oh, oh okay, this guy sort of likes me. You know, like, that's all right. You know, yes. <laughs> it's all right when a guy likes you. And he said, listen, how about you come and shoot my, you know, books and my magazines and, and live in my beach house down at Narrabeen here, I'll give you a hand with your new business. And I went, oh, that sounds pretty good. So I moved in, and the next day, his aide's mate moved in. He happened to be gay. Back then, it wasn't 
cool to be gay. And so he needed a woman and two kids to clear his image up because he was an author. So I was the, the setup. The token woman. I was the yeah. token woman. Wow. It was filth. So how did this lead you to find God? Well, you live in such filth as that. And one day, well, I had a smoke. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I had a smoke, (laughs) and I think that's when God came to me. I saw I was on a tightrope, and I saw that I was hanging on by one finger, and um, I was on the bottom of the ladder. And I said, if there's a God, get me out of here. Well, a mate of mine, who I'd met when I just first came back from the desert, he was sitting on the beach in Surface Paradise, and God spoke to him, and he said, go to Diane. And the next day, he knocked at this door. He knew where I was. He'd driven all night to get to me. Anyway, he started praying through the place, uh, you know, the blood of Jesus and all this stuff. And I'm going, oh, man, what have I got here? Another whacker. A bit bit freaky. (laughs) Yeah, mate, this guy scared the crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he prayed and I watched these guys uh, that lived in the house, the gay guys, just slip out the back door. And I just went, wow, that's pretty effective, whatever that is. Anyway, so he prayed for money because by this stage I had nothing I'd done it it's you know all gone. I'd, I'd, oh yeah I'd done my dash you know like it was down the tubular hanging on by one finger you know still walking around with you know some nice clothes but that was about it anyway he prayed for a place now this is a really nice bit of the story all this money started nearly like flying through the air into my hands enough to get a place this guy slept in his car for 10 months in the driveway of this place and showed me and prayed who Christ was and never came on to me never nothing just said well, right this is my mission to warfare for this woman and her two kids because by that time I got my girls back so it was enough to get a house just a, a rent I yes. was down to like Zippo you know yep. nothing yeah. he stayed in the driveway and truly there is a war and he warred for me and um, warred for my two girls but one day um, I saw Christ I saw the door. I saw what people don't get to see. I saw that there is a spirit realm and there is a doorway and he was standing at the door. And I went to him and I said, look, I can't come up your track. I said, you know, I've been sat on, spat on, rolled on. How can I trust you? And he spoke to me from heaven. He spoke audibly. I said, okay, I'm in. I'll give you 100%. I'll give you 100% of my life. Was this in a dream? No, no, it was an audible voice. No dream, man. With this one, it was mm. it was an audible voice. It was beautiful. He sounded exactly like they describe him. It had the rushing water, and it had it had love, and it had authority, and it had strength, and it had compassion, and it had mercy, and it had grace, and it had all the traits of God flowing through this water. I went, oh, I'm in, man. You know, you want me? It totally captures you. Yeah. You can't not. So there's a woman, I'm 36 at this stage, there's a woman that had not heard of the name of God and Jesus before this. So it was a transformation beyond. So I said, okay, so I'll come up your track. So, you know, what do you want, what did you put me here for? What's on earth for me? And he showed me a vision of this property with all these establishments, all these little buildings on it. And I said, okay, let's go do it. Someone says, you know, Faith, you've got to stand out. And I said, okay, I'll put an ad in the paper. So I put an ad in the the Australian. And one guy rings me, and he had a motel complex up at the entrance, 
And I went, nah, that's not it. That's not what I saw. Next. And this woman rocked up at my door, didn't even know her. And she said, there's a place up at the entrance that would suit you. And I went, oh, I figure I was supposed to go there. Wow. Yeah. So I hopped in the car, went up there, and there was a motel at the entrance, empty. And I said, oh, well, maybe this is where I've got to start. He wanted 4,000 bond and 600 a week. And I went, oh, yeah, that'd be all right. So I went back to God and I went, well, there's the bill, you know, like, let's go do this. This will be the bill. And I started taking in homeless people. People started rolling up who were homeless. And um, and I started taking them into the house that I was in because it was a pretty big house. The day before I was supposed to move into this place, the guy rings me up and he said, um, okay, 4600 a week, I need the money. I went, gee, the money never turned up. And I went to my church at the time, and they said, well, it's not us, baby. God said, don't criticize whatever you do. Don't criticize. Don't say anything. Okay, not saying anything. I had to ring the guy that owned the place. I said, the money didn't turn up. And he said, oh, die, I've been waiting for you for two months for this, and I've got no one to go in here, and it was you. I said, I am sorry, and I canceled the truck that was coming, the whole thing. And I stood under the heavens that night, and I said to God, I got no idea why you did that, but... I'll tell you, I still trust you. Yeah. And that's... That's the that's heart a, of it. That's all I had because yes. it wasn't made up. It wasn't a try hard. It was like I really trusted him and I still do. So the next day, 6 o'clock, the guy that owned the motel, he rings me up and he says, how would you like the place for, to say, 60 bucks and uh, we won't worry about the bond? I went, that'll do. <laughs> wow. So I rang the truck and I said, it's on again. It's on again. <laughs> but I suppose that's what he likes, you know, someone who's not thinking about it all. Yeah. It just is obedient. So we trust. Uh, it's, There's it's, no it's, choice it's, but to be dependent. It's in my heart. You know, like my education is in my head and my upbringing was in my head and my culture was in my head, but he was always in my heart. <laughs> So I stood there and I said, so God, who do you want here? I'd had no idea. And next minute, all these homeless men started rolling up at my door, giving them rooms. And um, anyway, these guys started rolling up. And they were the roughest, tootinous, you know, guys in the West, I'm sure. They were rebellious. But I could see that um, within a short distance of a time that each and every one of them was a reflection of me and uh, they were sent for me to overcome me. I was never doing any good goody-two-shoes job. It was all about fixing me. What were the kinds of things that you found out well, about yourself? Gee, we're a mess. <laughs> we, we have got so much crap laying inside us. It's just ridiculous. But you're much. still pushing forward. Ah, oh, look, I just... Uh, see, these guys ripped off doors, frothed at the mouth, would offer me outside for a punch-up, and I'd go and go, okay, God, you with me? You know, like, <laughs> and I'd be there. And these guys respected me because I was there. I didn't back. God said, gave me one commandment when I went in there. He said, don't fear. I went, okay, I can hear that. I said, not to fear. So I never feared, and yeah. I haven't ever, ever. Why do you think God puts you in that um, hotel? <laughs> once again, I'm obedient. My obedience to him is second to none. I am just faithful and obedient. I love him. He lo he knows it. He knows that I'll follow him every anywhere. He knows it. He sees my faithfulness to him yeah. and my love for him. And he goes, this girl just loves me through all. And I walk in true freedom. And I've got that because I've got the relationship 
of um, Christ in me. I don't reckon it's me that lives anymore, honestly. I'm just happy to wake up and say, what are we up to today? You're an inspiration of uh, both trust and hope in the midst of all that. Diane Cordae, thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.